Welcome to Through the Bible. Our teacher, of course, is Dr. J. Vernon McGee, and I'm Steve Schwetz, your host, inviting you to hop aboard the Bible bus as we continue our five-year journey through the entire Word of God. Now, currently, we're winding our way through the tall mountain peaks and low valleys of the book of Psalms. So if you're able, grab your Bible and turn to Psalm 30. And while you do that, Greg's here with a quick update on some great things going on with a cool way to get the Word of God out, and it's called A Minute with McGee. Yeah, Steve, and it is a new ministry, really. I mean, it is it is a way, like you said, to get Dr. McGee's teaching of the Word of God to entice people with the truth of the Word of God to get them excited about engaging with the Bible. Yeah, the other reason we do it is, pragmatically speaking, we, <laughs> You're get, such a practical we, guy. we, get, a, we get a free minute yeah. because of all the radio time yeah. that we buy, yeah. and a lot of people don't know about Dr. McGee, and he is so quotable in these yes. in these little snippets, and our comm team, led by our VP, Barb, has done such a great job yes. at, at uh, curating all of these and putting them together. And instead of just talking about them, let, let's yeah, listen to let's one. Let's listen now. to one. Can or we two. do that? Yeah. We call it the Bible bus. Get on or off anytime you want as we travel through the Bible. What a glorious, wonderful psalm this is here. I will extol thee, my God, O King. I'll bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee. This is not just for the Sabbath day or for Sunday. But this is for every day will I bless thee. What a wonderful thing this is. There are days when we don't feel like blessing him. And we sometimes can sing and do him. We praise him for all that's past. Trust him for all that is to come. Well, we can trust him for all that's past. And we can praise him for all that is to come. Join a faithful company of people on the Bible bus as we go through the Bible. Find out more at ttb.org. Well, hopefully that whetted your appetite and you have an appreciation for what this Minute of McGee format is yeah. going to sound like. Yeah, I mean, just think about what you just heard, and maybe you and a friend were having coffee. How much could you talk about in that it's less than 60 seconds of him teaching because you're directing people to the website. And again, that's part of what we want to do. We want people who maybe don't know through the Bible to say, wow, this is good. I'd like to get more. Yeah, the other thing that we use it for is it's going to have its own and does now its own podcast stream. Yes. So I'm a podcaster. I'm a podcaster, too. And yeah. I listen to Dr. McGee typically through podcast. Occasionally on radio, but primarily podcasting or through the global app, our flagship app. Yes. And Minute with McGee is available as a separate podcast. And I know not yet, but in the future, we're going to have it incorporated into the global app as well. Yes. Yes. Uh, because I know I'm, I'm blessed every time I listen to one of these. And sometimes I, you through the podcasting platforms, you can also go back and listen to four or five at a time. It's just it's just a really great ministry. And as we were saying, we're particularly excited about getting new people on the Bible bus who maybe don't hear Dr. McGee at the regular time. Hey, we have time to listen to one more. Let's let's give a listen. Let's do it. Got a minute for a good word? Here's Dr. J. Vernon McGee with Through the Bible. If you want to know the difference between Christianity or the gospel of the grace of God and the religions of the world, it can be expressed in one word. All of them say, do, do, do. And the gospel says, done, D-O-N-E, done. The gospel says God 
has done something for me, and I'm to believe it. I'm to trust him. And that's my approach to him. The only way I can come to him, by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. My friend, Jesus died for our sin, according to the Scripture. Oh, how important that is. It's all important, my friend. Get more solid Bible teaching at Through the Bible, ttb.org. You know, I think one of our ministry partners said it best when they said that the Minute with McGee is a sermon in yes. one minute. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and others have said it's like a tiny little truth bomb. It's just a powerful message that will explode in our hearts as we think about it later. And, uh, you know, of course, another uh, exciting way that this ministry can take place is on social media, where yeah. a one-minute uh, clip is a very acceptable length. You could share it on your Facebook page. You could share it on Instagram, etc. We're very excited to see how God is going to use people to fling the seed. Yeah, and I think we're even putting it onto TikTok, where our, uh, the Chinese government can appreciate it. <laughs> That's right. Maybe some people will get saved in the Chinese government. We yeah. love that. Yep. So, Greg, why don't you pray for us? Pray for this new ministry, that it would reach new people, and pray that the program would be blessed. Father, we are relying on your faithfulness, and we have learned over many decades here that when we faithfully fling the seed of your word out to the world in all different ways and formats through different media, that you do the hard work and the, and the transforming work in people's lives. We pray that would happen through this new ministry we're calling Minute with McGee. We, we look forward to hearing the testimonies of people who have even gotten saved through listening uh, to these little nuggets of truth. We, we offer it to you with thanksgiving, and now we turn our hearts to your word and ask you to transform our lives through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's open to Psalms 30 to 32 on Through the Bible with our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, I come today to the 31st Psalm, and I'm going rather slowly, as you can see through this section, and I trust that you will understand the reason is that we have been moving through a section where most of the Psalms, not all of them, but most of them are very unfamiliar. And yet, here are some of the richest portions of the Word of God. And my feeling is that if a proper emphasis was given in this section, it would, I think, give a different perspective of Scripture, and especially relative to God's purposes in the nation Israel. Now, most of the Psalms, in fact, practically all of them that we have looked at so far, have been composed and written by David. And I'm sure music went with all of these psalms. Now, back in the 30th psalm, and there's a connection in all of these here, I call this psalm, and I had to treat it so lightly last time, it's the hallelujah for healing. And this is more or less my psalm. And it ought to be the psalm of this great cancer club across this country today, a folk who've had cancer, and the Lord has permitted them to live. And I certainly can join in this psalm here. And let me just lift out this again, because it is so wonderful. Verse 2, O Lord, my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from Sheol, that is the grave. Thou hast kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit, that is, to the grave. 
And then he says, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. And I'm thinking about organizing a chorus called the Cancer Chorus of people all across this country that have had this great, awful monster attack them, and yet God has sustained them. I find myself in the hands of God, but I can say today with David here, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints. Now, I can't sing, but it'd be wonderful to get together, all of us that have had cancer, and lift our hearts in praise to God. This is my psalm, and it'll be the psalm of many of you that are listening today. How wonderful it is. And give thanks in remembrance of His holiness. Now, God didn't heal us because we some special little pet of his. And he didn't heal us because we're a preacher. He didn't heal us because we're teaching the Bible. He did it because of the fact he's a holy God and he maintains his holiness. He recognizes I'm a sinner and he has saved me by his grace. And he hadn't lowered his standard one bit. And again, I say, hallelujah for healing. This is the way I like it because I can praise Now, my great physician, and I don't have to praise some man down here or some woman for that matter, and I don't have to go to them. I go to the great physician. Oh, my sick friend today, take your case to the great physician and then call in the best doctor down here you can get because our great physician gave him all the skill that he has, whether he recognizes it or not. My doctor recognizes it. I come on over now to this 31st Psalm, and here you have the troubles of the godly. We've had a great deal of that so far. But after all, the godly have a lot of troubles, don't they? The ones I know do, and I'm sure that's true of most of us today. Now, this is a psalm that speaks in the past of the troubles of David. It looks to the future, and it speaks of the troubles that'll come of the nation Israel in the great tribulation period. And then it speaks to the present, my troubles, your troubles, as a message. You see, these psalms are so rich and wonderful. And I have found that when I've been sick or when I'm in bed at night and can't sleep, I don't know why I've always turned to the psalms. And generally in this section here, my, they're great comfort and a great help. Listen to this 31st one now, because it's a great psalm that we have before us. He says, "...in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness." Now, David knew that God could not lower his standard in saving sin, and that sin required a penalty. And if the sinner didn't pay it, somebody else would have. And God now has a plan. He can save sinners because somebody else paid the penalty, and that somebody is his son. Now, because of that, David goes on and says, Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock, for in house of defense to save me. We need a strong rock, not just some little pebble. Lord Jesus said, On this rock I will build my church. What is that rock? Christ. No other foundation can any man lay than that which is Christ Jesus, our Savior today. Now, he's the strong rock to rest on. The dear lady who was talking about her salvation and the assurance of it. And somebody says, well, don't you ever frighten? 
Oh, she says, there are times when I tremble on the rock, but the rock never trembles under me. A strong rock. Now, he's not through with the rock, by the way, and this is not rock music we're talking about, although this psalm was set to music. Well, maybe you could call this the first rock music, but it's a little different than the kind we have today. Verse 3, For thou art my rock. My. Is God your rock? Is that where you're resting today? And he says, not only that, thou art my rock and my fortress. Now, fortress is for protection. We need that. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Not because he's David the king, but because for his name's sake. That's what it means to pray in the name of Christ today. He says, pull me out of the net that they've laid secretly for me, for thou art my strength. And then, listen to him, into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. Remember, that was the word the Lord Jesus gave on the cross. We have here so many wonderful statements, but here is one that we just can't pass by. And into thine hand I commit my spirit. And the Lord Jesus said that. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And Stephen, the first martyr, he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. It's quite interesting. Down in the history of the church, many that have been martyrs have always used that expression. For instance, when the sentence of degradation was being executed upon John Huss, and the bishop there pronounced upon him these horrible words. He says, And now we commit thy soul to the devil. And John Huss, in great calmness, he stood there and replied, I commit my spirit into thy hands, Lord Jesus Christ. Unto thee I commend my spirit, whom thou hast redeemed. And Polycarp, when he was being burned at the stake there in Smyrna, these are his words, too. Bernard used them. Jerome of Prague used it. And Luther and Melanchthon and many others. In fact, Martin Luther said this, Blessed are they who die not only for the Lord as martyrs, not only in the Lord as believers, but likewise with the Lord as breathing forth their lives in the words, into thy hand I commit my spirit. How wonderful that is. And now I move on down. Verse 7, he says, I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known my soul in adversities. Now, I'm going to change verse 7 just a little. Thou hast seen my trouble, and thou hast seen my soul in adversities. I like that better. Twice he says it. And this is a great comfort. You know, God sees you in your trouble. You remember that he said to Moses when he wanted to deliver the children of Israel, he says, I've seen their affliction. I've heard their groaning. I know their condition. I've come down to deliver them. And it is said of the Lord Jesus. You remember that when those apostles of his were out there in the storm and the dead of night, that midnight on that Sea of Galilee, Waves are rolling high, and they thought they were through, by the way. And it says, he saw them toiling and rowing. I like that. He sees you and me today. Why wonderful this is. Now let me move on down in the Psalm, verse 9. Now we come to a prayer. 
And he says here, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I'm in trouble. Are you in trouble, friends? Instead of whining around telling everybody else about it, why don't you go to him and say, Lord, I'm in trouble. That's what David did. He just went to the Lord. He says, I'm in trouble. Now, I'll have to drop down. Verse 15, My times are in thy hand. That's an interesting expression. My times are in thy hand. Great many people go to fortune tellers, have their palm read. And this line means this, and this line means something else, which is all actually perfect nonsense, but it affords a living for some people and others that are trying to get rid of the money. This is just another way of getting rid of it. But our times are written in his hands. The Scripture says it. My times are in thy hands. Those are crucified hands. You can see my sin there in his hand. And may I say to you, those are the tender hands of a shepherd that picked up a lost sheep and put it on his shoulder. My care, protection are in those hands. And someday he's coming with blessing, and those hands will bless. My friend, may I say, my times are in his hands. Then verse 16, make thy face to shine upon thy servant. That's a lovely expression. And the Hebrew commentator, way back in ancient times, he says the face of God is his anointed, the Messiah. You see, God's a spirit. I don't know how he looks, don't know how he feels, how he acts. But the Lord Jesus came down here, and he's the face of God. I like that. The little girl one night, she didn't want to go upstairs and go to bed by herself. Mother took her up, put her to bed, and then left her. And the little girl began to whimper. And the mother said, now, listen, you go to sleep. God is up there with you. And she wanted somebody to stay with her. And mother says, God's up there with you. And the little girl says, I know, but I want somebody with a face. Friends, that's what all of us need and want. All of us little children down here want somebody with a face with us. Jesus Christ is the one. Oh, what a wonderful psalm. Isn't it too bad that we have to leave this psalm? But the last word, listen to it, verse 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness. My friends, we're going to come to a psalm later on. The Lord is good. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Have you ever told anybody how good God is? I find people that they like to talk about their neighbors or their children or their father and mother or their relatives or their boss or their preacher and say, my, how good he is. But have you ever told anybody how good God is? He's good, friends. Oh, how good he is. Now we come to Psalm 32, and oh, here is another wonderful psalm. This psalm has been called by many a spiritual gem, and it has been misunderstood. It's called a psalm of David, a mass kill. Now, what is a mass kill? The word means giving instruction, or it means to understand. And it's quite interesting how that word, that Hebrew word, is used especially as it relates to the future of Israel. And I think some of these seminaries today that have gone intellectual and they're depending on high-powered personality and a promotion program and a good personality and that type of thing to put them over, and they're emphasizing the intellectual. Here's a psalm it'd be nice if they'd come to and they'd find out that God has a future for Israel. 
and that it requires a little spiritual gumption to get the point, by the way. Now, I want you to see how this word is used in connection with the nation Israel. In Daniel eleven thirty three, we read, And they that understand among the people, that is Israel, shall instruct many, yet they shall fall by the sword and by flame, by captivity, by spoil many days. Did you notice that? And they that understand, masculine is the word here, and again, Daniel says, and some of them of understanding, masculine, shall fall, shall try them, and to purge and make white. Even to the time of the end, you notice Daniel uses the time of the end, never the end of time. He says the time of the end because it is yet for appointed time. You see, understanding is to the future. And again, Daniel in chapter 12, verse 3, he says, and they that be wise... Masculine shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And then down in verse 10 he says, Many shall be purified, made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wicked. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise, the masculine, shall understand. And how wonderful this is. Now, when you come to the New Testament, the Lord Jesus in speaking of this time of trouble, it's coming in the future for the nation Israel. In Matthew 24 and 25, he goes back and quotes Daniel as being the sign of the end of the age. What is it? He says that when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. I'm not looking for abomination of desolation. I don't even know what it is. And I've read quite a few books by men who thought they knew what it is. Some of them, it took them two or three chapters to make it clear they didn't know what it was. I can just say it in one sentence. I don't know what it is. Now, will you notice? I'm not looking for the abomination, but for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, will you notice? And the Lord added to this, Whoso readeth, let him, what? Understand. This psalm that we're coming to now is a psalm of instruction, understanding. Ought to be helpful to many of us. Now, we have here another reference to it over in Revelation from chapter 6 to 18. And we'll have to wait till we get there to talk about it. But that covers the same ground that the Olivet Discourse does. And it covers the ground of the Great Tribulation period. Now in the 13th chapter, where we have the two beasts revealed and the empire, that great world dictatorship that's coming, we read at the end of that chapter, here is wisdom. Let him that hath what? Understanding. Masculine. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. And then again, there have been books written on that number, 666. You want to know what the number means? Will you listen? I can give you an answer. I don't know. And I can add to that a little P.S. And these folk that are writing to tell you what 666 means, they don't know either. They just think they know. You see, it will be in that day that God will reveal it to his people. Now, this is a masculine psalm. It's a psalm of instruction for us. Now, it's been called a penitential psalm. That is, that it's the confession of David. I disagree with that. The 51st psalm that we'll be coming to is David's prayer of confession and for forgiveness. And it's when David prayed after Nathan said to him, Thou art the man, and David made his confession. 
Now, the 32nd Psalm here is the record of the confession made and the forgiveness that he received and the blessedness of his complete restoration. Now, may I say to you, in the 51st Psalm, David, you remember, said that if God would forgive him, he says, "...then will I teach transgressors thy way, and sinners shall be converted unto thee." Now, friends, in Psalm 32, David is giving you his instruction. He says, "...then will I teach transgressors thy way, and sinners shall be converted unto thee." Now, next time, we're going to see the instruction of David, and I think it's for us. It'll be for God's people in a future day. But right now, it's for you and for me. We'll see that next time. Until then, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Listen to today's message again or share it with a friend at ttb.org or to be in touch by phone, call 1-800-65-BIBLE. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll meet you here next time as we continue to make our way through the Bible. grateful for the faithful and generous support of Through the Bible's partners, whom God uses to take the whole word to the whole world.